We're in Psalm 8 today, and this morning it is a, a great day that we can praise our majestic King. We have just seen the Gospel, and now we get to hear God's Word, the Gospel for us. And so if you could open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 8, that's where we're going to be this morning. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all of the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babies and of infants. You have established strength because of Your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at Your heavens, the work of Your fingers, the moon and the stars which You have set in place, what is man? that you are mindful of Him, and the Son of Man, that you care for Him. Yet you have made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned Him with glory, and you crowned Him with honor, and you have given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord God, we come this day, this day of rest, that we can worship You, and we thank You for gathering us together. And we pray by Your Spirit that Your Word would cause us to worship You this morning, wherever we're coming from. That You would speak by Your Spirit through Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we were looking at Psalm chapter 7, and today we look at at Psalm 8. And we're reminded that in order for us to make it through this life, we have to lament. We can't short-circuit that process and immediately try to fix everything and solve our problems. We're reminded that the Psalms give us the space to complain to God. But the Psalms also remind us that we need gratitude daily in our life. We need to reflect daily on the things for which we can be grateful. There's power in gratitude. In order for us to get through this extended moment of difficulty, we also need each other. The foundation of our human existence is is our relational connectedness. It's being connected as the body. Gratitude in our relational connectedness as the people of God. This is what we need, and this is what Psalm 8 is. We need connection to the body. And that's why it is so great, and I was so excited that we could celebrate the baptism of Nicholas and Russell this morning. That they're brought into the family of God, and we can praise God together for His work in their life. We can celebrate together the covenant of grace today. We can celebrate that through Christ's work alone, through His promise alone, God is their God. And they are His people with us. And that's something we praise, and I, I, I want an amen for that. <laughs> Psalm 8 says, to the choir master. And when you hear the word choir master, what do you think? What comes to your mind? This week, what comes to my mind, it's not cumbia, 
It's not classical music. But it's gospel music. It's that powerful choir that comes in the gospel music. And that's what Psalm 8 is. It's this community hymn of praise to God. It's gospel. Our O Lord, our Lord. You see this verse 1? It's O Lord, our Lord. Together. Together. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 1. And verse 8, the psalm conclu- begins and ends the same way. It's an inclusio, beginning and ending with the same litany of praise. David is leading the people of God together to praise God. And so I want us to consider three reasons this morning why we can be grateful together, why we can praise God together. First, let us praise the Lord because He is the mighty King. He is the mighty king over his creation. Verse 1, again, I'll read it to you. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. I want you to notice that though the term says, O Lord, our Lord, it might seem like a repetition. It's not. In, 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 in the English, we distinguish here, you see it says, O Lord, the first is uh, caps, and the second is our Lord. The first word is, is, is what we translate for like Yahweh. The Lord, and the second name here refer, references to his power, to his rule, to being Adonai. And so David is saying here, Yahweh, our ruler, Yahweh, our king, the covenant Lord, our king, the promise-making king. This is the one that we praise. Now notice, Yahweh our King, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And you have set your glory above the heavens. What it's saying, what we're told is His majesty and glory is in the earth and the heavens. This is a, it's saying everything from the heavens to the earth and everything in between. It's a merism. He's talking about the sum total of all of creation. The earth, the heavens, and everything in between show off His beauty Everything shows off his weighty greatness. Verse 3 mentions the heavens, including the moon and the stars. And it's interesting, notice what it says, that they are, they're merely but the work of his fingers. It's like his pinky just spun off the billions and billions of galaxies just with his fingers. The work of his hands. It's all but the work of God's Fingers. We know, I mean, he doesn't have fingers. We know that because God is spirit. But it's this way of coming to us to say it, it, it wasn't hard for him. He just spun it off, so to speak. We praise him because he is the king. He is the ruler over all of creation. You get from the sense of this psalm, and even if you look back at Genesis, that in creation it wasn't hard for him to create the universe, and the world. You, you look back at the ancient Near Eastern world and you get this idea that's completely different from the ancient Near Eastern religions. In contrast to the ancient worlds of creation, you have the, the, the creation myths of the Egyptians who were the slave masters over the, uh, over the Israelites. Or you have the Canaanites who were their neighbors or, or the Assyrians who were the looming big players coming on the scene. 
In Egypt, the son is a god named Re. He's born from Nut and then eaten at the end of the day by her. In Canaan, the promised land, Baal and Anat, they engage in sexual activity over and over again, and, they act, and it's acted out in the, the temples. And this is how creation is reborn over and over again. This is a popular religion today. Or Assyria and Babylon. The world is created when the god Marduk slays the sea monster goddess Tiamat and uses her carcass as the material for creating all of the existed in world. It's, so the ancient Near Eastern world, what is it? How is the creation, the cosmos created? Violence, struggle, sex, carcasses. This is how the heavens, the earth, and the seas are made by the different gods. But then look at the picture of how different it is. How God actually created the universe. Our mighty king, he merely spoke the heavens. He spoke the earth. He spoke the seas by his word. As if he just spun them into existence. And it gets even more powerful that we can praise him because the mystery of all of this is that it's actually, it's not out of all of this struggle and the violence, but it's actually out of the outflow of the relational love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that he created the universe. Out of his love. He spoke the universe into existence. He made it good. So he is our good king over the creation. And for that, we can praise the Lord. We like to go to Cloudcroft often. In fact, my family is there right now. Um, and every night when we're there, or you can just go out into the, to the desert, and you look up into the skies, and what do you see? You see, you can actually see the Milky Way and see all of the stars the 200 and 400 billion stars that are just within our galaxy, which is one uh, of 170 billion galaxies that are out there. And all of these billions of stars in these billions of galaxies are just but the work of his hands. He's the king whose glory is far above that. And so the question then we, have, we ask is, like, how does this make us feel to see that this is the king who flings the billions of galaxies and the billions of stars in those galaxies. How does it make you feel? And this gets to the second reason that we can praise him. Verse 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the Son of Man that you care for Him? See, we can praise the Lord here because the psalm tells us that we can praise Him because He cares for us, even though in the grand scope of the universe we are but dust and small and tiny and frail. We can praise Him. There's various words for humanity in Hebrew. Um, But this word man here specifically is meant to highlight our frailty and our mortality. That we are small. And I hold my my small children and we look up and, and they point their grubby little fingers and say, wow, and I feel so small. 
And sometimes it's good to feel small. Sometimes. However, I think the greatest mystery here is not that you and me are so small and so insignificant in the scope of the universe, but it is that God's love is so vast in it. His love is so big that the one who flung the billions of stars and the billions of galaxies into existence would actually love you and me personally, deeply. What am I? What am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? There's some good news here. One of the things I think this tells us is, look, that we need to know that our identity is not an achieved identity. We don't achieve it by doing things. Our identity has been received by the King and Creator of the universe. It's not by what we do. And we have to remind ourselves that every day. And here's the thing. We oftentimes think that we have to try and make a difference to be loved. We feel that. I feel that. But, the, but you look at it here in the psalm, and, and you can think about what, but what difference could you and I actually make in the universe to make the creator of the universe love us? What could we do, we who are so small in this vast universe, what could we do to make him love us? But the great mystery is that the one who flung this universe into existence is actually mindful of you and of me. And we praise him for that. And maybe this is hard for you to actually believe, to experientially know. Maybe like me, you grew up in a Bible-believing church, or you were taught the catechism growing up, and you know about the sovereignty of God, the bigness of God. But do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know that he loves you personally, specifically? cares for you. And the proof that you and I have that he actually does is in fact the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That the king of the universe is truly mindful of you and me because he came and he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. John 1 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. The eternal son of God took on our frail humanity. He took it on. That's how you know, and I know that He is actually mindful of you. He took on our frail humanity as His own. So we can praise Him today. We can praise Him because we know that He is mindful of us. He cares for us in our human frailty. He does. That's what you are reminded of when you come to the table that this morning, if you're here, he's mindful of you. He's mindful of you. And also we can praise the Lord here, I think, in this psalm, because even in our weakness, even in our weakness, he has actually made you and me kings and queens over his creation. There's some absurdity language here about, like, out of the mouths of babies and out of infants being used to establish strength for God. Like, what's going on there? But this is how he is saying, the psalmist is saying, this is how God works. Verse 5 and 6 talks about humanity. 
He says, you have made him a little lower than the heavens, heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion that is authority to rule over the works of your hand. Do you hear the language there? Crowned. Crowned with glory and honor and dominion over the works of your hands. That's kingship language. And this is getting to the messianic king, king, and we're going to get to that. But this is kingship language. This is going back to Genesis talking about you and me. In our weakness, we have been given authority and dominion. We rule as his vice regents in the world, so to speak. Probably Chuck's favorite professor, I think, is probably Richard Pratt. Probably one of his favorite, because I've heard him quote it before. And Richard Pratt said, has said, if you understood this reality, you would go around to a perfect stranger, and you would just, a perfect stranger, and you'd say, your majesty. Your majesty. Because you and I have never met a mere human. Every human that we meet is royalty. Royalty. From the womb to the tomb, from El Paso to Juarez and all over the world, everyone you meet is royalty. Everyone. My mom is a wound care nurse, and she's a really good one. She loves pus, which I think is really gross, and that's part of why she's good at her job. But sometimes she dresses the wounds that are the most disgusting, nasty things. Sometimes it's homeless people who come living out of their cars, or have been prisoners, or people who have looked down on her as a lower class because she's there cleaning their wounds. But my mom, she treats all these people that come with dignity, with dignity, and she cleans their wounds with the greatest of ability that she has because she sees them and she recognizes them that even these people with their pus-infected wounds are royalty before God. Homeless women, royalty. Prisoners, royalty. People who think they're better than you. We still treat them with respect. And in this, my mom exercises her own royal dominion over creation that God has given her to exercise. You see, we have been commissioned by God as as image bearers, kings and queens, to bring harmony, proportion, life, and flourishing to the whole world. But I think you probably have felt one of the problems in this time is that it oftentimes feels like many of our accomplishments, many of this uh, dominion has been taken, ripped out of our hands. feels like we don't have a lot to contribute you may be this morning completely discouraged. feels like everything's out of the control of your hand. There, it, like, you don't feel like this royal authority. We may feel that what we do is not impactful. But we can praise the Lord this morning because the psalmist says, out of the mouths of babies and out of infants, weaklings, small babblings, you, God, have established strength. And I want to say, no, 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 no. We don't despise the day of small things. We do not. In the Lord of the Rings, the hobbits, they're chosen to destroy the great armies. 
of the darkness of Mordor. And one little furry step after another, they get to the top of Mount Doom and they, they bring down the enemies. Even Lord of the Rings understands. For as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, we can praise the Lord this morning because this is how God chooses to work in our lives. And He will get the glory from our weak and our small efforts. He will. But I still don't want that way to be that way. But this is why He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong, is what Paul tells us. You see, we can praise the Lord because we know that when I am weak, when I am weak, that is when He is actually working in you and in me, leading us to exercise the dominion that He has for us to exercise. In the weakness of children, He establishes strength to silence His and our great enemies. In the weakness of babies, says. But to praise Him for this, to praise Him for that, it takes faith. It takes faith in Jesus. And so I want to close for us considering faith in Jesus so that we can praise God this morning. Consider faith in Jesus. The problem that we we have to deal with when we look at this psalm and we see how majestic God's name is if we recognize that there was a fall, that the world has been marred and broken. But I think sometimes the term fall is oftentimes misleading. Um, so I have, you know, my, my two-year-old, almost three-year-old son is in this really frustrating stage right now where we'll be in the backyard, and um, I, he, all of his toys are spread all over the backyard. And I say, Hebron, you need to go pick up your toys. And he starts walking, and he takes a step, and he takes a step, and then he says, I falled, I falled, and he starts rolling on the ground. I falled, I falled. It's like, no, dude, you did not fall. You are rebelling. <laughs> that's not a fall. That's, that's rebelling. You need to get up and, and go pick up your toys. But see, we, sometimes we think the fall is like some kind of accident that happened. Adam and Eve accidentally fell. No, it's, it's a rebellion. We have to reckon with, with this. The truth is that in our as Adam and Eve and after them, in our kingship, we actually decided to become the usurpers in rebellion against God and in resistance against Him. Even from the Tower of Babel, you think about that. The Tower of Babel, we focused all of our efforts in dominion to build a tower to heaven so that we could climb up to God and wrestle Him down and take the throne and become kings and queens as God in His place. See, that's what the pagan in the secular world understands or, or, or how they see the universe as chaos and destruction and hopelessness. We don't deny all of those feelings and things in this world. We see that world. We see the universe can be a vast and cold silence. We oftentimes don't see the Trinitarian God of love. We see a world where the enemy oppresses the weak and the small, not where they are the ones that establish the kingdom. 
But this is because we are the usurpers. Adam and Eve, that we brought it all down. We made the mess. But the Bible tells us good news that we're told of the second Adam, the true king, the true king of righteousness. That he came down, and if you see Jesus, you can praise him this morning. Hebrews 2 quotes Psalm chapter 8. The New Testament in Hebrews chapter 2 actually quotes this very psalm and says it's all about Jesus. It says of Jesus, you made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned Jesus with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under Jesus' feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. And immediately we say, well, that's not what it looks like right now. Don't get ahead of the rest of the scripture. Because because Hebrews continues and answers that very feeling that we have. Like, it doesn't look like it. And it says this in Hebrews 2, At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see Jesus, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You see this morning, if you see Jesus, if you see Jesus with the eyes of faith, you can praise him today because he entered our suffering. He entered the weakness. He entered the fray and he died But now he has risen in glory and honor and power and crowned with glory. And he will, in fact, come again. If you see this Jesus with the eyes of faith, you can praise God today. As the psalm, as the hymn says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, he makes his blessings flow. So we can praise the Lord Jesus this morning as our king because he makes his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Will you see the Lord Jesus this morning? I hope you will. Amen. Lord Jesus, Help us to see you, you who entered our mess in weakness and is now crowned with glory and honor. Help us to fix our eyes upon you so we can praise you today in the muck and the mess, knowing that you are the king and that you are mindful of us this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.